Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Good morning, welcome to Redemption's Table. I'm sitting here this evening. I am in Nolansville, Tennessee, at Outlander's Southern Chicken. And I'm sharing a table. We just finished eating some uh, chicken wraps and some chicken uh, tenders. I'm sitting here with Ross King, songwriter, worship pastor, and uh, grateful to have you. Grateful to be here. Thanks, Robert. I want to tell you, Ross, a little bit about how I first learned who you were. I was in a revival in a spiritual renewal weekend. I believe it was at First Baptist Church, Ozona. And a worship leader friend of mine sang one of your songs. The song was Clear the Stage. And the very first time I heard that song, I went up to him and I said, Where is that? Tell me about that song. And I remember the words, Clear the Stage and set the sound and lights ablaze if that's the measure you must take to crush the idols. And I was like, Wow. Uh, that song, immediately I wanted to learn more about what kind of music or the other other music you had because that song was in the same vein to me of Keith Green, of uh, Steve Camp and so I, I from there I kind of did some digging and we have several since you, you you're from Texas right? Yes and, and, and thank you for saying that by the way. You're welcome. Uh, I, I not only call you a songwriter I believe you're a songwriter prophet mm. and we'll talk about that a little Thanks. bit. I'll, I'll, see what you have to say about yeah, that. No, no pressure. Uh, but I uh, happen to be here today. It's Monday, May 6th. You had a song premiere today, and yes. so I want to talk about that song. But before we do that, for those who may not know you, um, kind of give us a little bit about your uh, your your redemption story, a little sure. bit about your life. Um, well, I feel like my story would probably be like in two sections, and they would kind of be a huge time jump in between um, and one of those sections would be that I was just raised by really wonderful Christian parents who took me to church every Sunday and I learned the Bible and you know went to vacation Bible school and did all the stuff that a, a little kid does at, at church learning about Jesus and you know as a Baptist kid we we would walk an aisle and pray a prayer is kind of what we would do and I don't know uh, if that was the moment, I don't know if it took, I don't know what, you know, I don't ever feel too comfortable saying exactly when or, or how I got saved, but but I got interested in Jesus and stayed with the church after that and was in youth group and all those things. Where? Got, what part of this Texas? This was in uh, Bryan, Bryan, Texas, Call Station, Bryan area, okay. Texas A&M. Okay. 
and had a great youth minister and all those things and stayed basically you know following Jesus with not much of a at least not a very interesting te testimony for most of my life got married to my great wonderful wife adopted some children uh, a lot of things um, you know got in music business all of that but I guess the the sort of time jump second section of that story the, the probably the more at least where my heart is now stems from about seven seven years ago well exactly seven years ago today um, my dad was drowned in an accident down at the coast and it just sort of was the beginning of a new normal for our family mm -hmm. and for me I went into some depression and had a bunch of I don't know just what I would call emotional health issues and it just altered the way that I um, saw Jesus and sought him and uh, processed salvation and the kingdom and I read the Bible differently and it just it's a whole new world to me now uh, you know I can get into more of that when we talk about the song to, that I'm released I released to, today but but yeah that 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 season of life of working through emotional health mm -hmm. was extremely shaping and life-altering for me and you know in in some bad ways but mostly it's a redemptive story of God making me believe in him even more than I do now than, than, I, than I did then and believing I always tell people it's like um, before 2012 I believed a lot of things and I believed them a little mm -hmm. now, I, now I believe a very few things but I believe them a lot Right, like I, it's narrowed and deepened what I believe, um, which isn't to say that I'm wishy-washy. I just don't maybe care as much about some of the minutia of mm -hmm. theology that I used to care about, but I care a whole lot more about what I think really matters. Right, you know, and I think you and I are really similar in that way that we're not so interested in arguing about doctrine all day long. Right. Um, nothing wrong with that we just don't care as much and but I am very interested in talking about that my only hope is Jesus and that there's nothing else that even comes close to making life worth living than him you know? right. and then in then the kingdom that he brings so yeah that's my that's that's the briefest version of the story you're gonna probably get okay okay it, I I had a, an experience about six years ago seven years ago uh, and it was the worst season of my life what happened to me for about 21 months and what I was going through and my mind is always thought in puns uh, and one night I was driving around and I thought man I feel like I've been hole punched first I said I've been cold cocked and I'm like nobody uses that terminology anymore it means right. you've been leveled by a fist right and I feel I said I feel like I've been hole punched and then I said no I've been soul punched. Right. I thought I created something. Right. Every writer thinks when they have these this, these ideas. Well, right. maybe I'm the first to come up with that. Now we can right. Google it and find out. And I was uh, surprised to discover that that is in the Urban Dictionary. Soul punch. A soul punch is when the enemy lays a blow on you so hard that it, it uh, wounds you internally. And yes. I thought to myself, that's what the enemy does Satan uh, and I believe every person will have a soul punch at some time in their journey yes he, he's not omniscient he doesn't know it 
all things, but he makes a very good book on us, and he knows where to lay the punch to take us out. Absolutely. And he's got nothing better to, to do, honestly, than to ruin our lives. So yeah. why not devote all his resources to it? Yeah. And you talk about the things you you know now, you, you know so much deeper. Right. I remember taking the truths of God, and it was almost like I was looking at the truths of God like a Rubik's Cube. And I knew these truths. I'd been teaching them all my life. Right. But, you know, just slowly turning them over and examining them. Right. So, right. Well, so out of that, what happened seven years ago today, mm -hmm. you've just released a brand new song. Just premiered today. Yes. Um, so, basically, you know, the song is called The Things I'm Afraid Of, and it's just... Um, so, so the, the interesting part of my career is that I started out just writing songs for me as an artist, and then as I got older realized I wasn't really succeeding in, a, in the way I wanted to in that, so I kind of moved into writing for other people, but in doing so, it changed the way that I wrote to where I'm writing more things that have a broader audience things that might go on Christian radio or whatever. That's one of my jobs now is writing for other artists who are trying to be on the radio or whatever. And I, so, but as I did that, I, I, I kept going back to writing for myself mm -hmm. and realizing when I write for me, sometimes I'm able to say things that I wouldn't be able to say in these other contexts um, because I don't have as many fans. I don't, have, I don't have any gatekeepers telling me what I can and can't do. Um, and so I just started talking more about emotional health in my songs, but I was actually being really cryptic about it because like most of us, I didn't want to talk about those things openly or publicly or, or obviously. So I would, you know, I would write about shame or fear, and I meant shame that I can't stop being depressed or fear because I'm so anxious, you know. Um, and, and, or I'd write about control, and what I really meant was obsessive feelings of... of, of of obsessive control or whatever and so when I would do concerts and sing these songs I started noticing people were responding afterwards saying thanks for writing about depression or thanks for writing about this or that and I realized I really w hadn't written about it in an overt way they just knew that because of the concert I told them at the concert mm -hmm. so about a year and a half ago I started getting better after being depressed off and on um, for about four or five years I started getting a lot a lot better and I thought, you know what, I've never really talked about this really, really on the nose, really just overtly talked about it using the words, the real words. And I noticed that the culture at large was talking about it and the church really wasn't mm. all that much. Not to say no one is or any of that, but that there'd be these side groups like Celebrate Recovery or Regeneration or these other kinds of ministries that were talking about these things. But in the context of the actual church, the attending church, I wasn't hearing these, these, these kinds of conversations. And, and moreover, I was noticing people responding so much when I would talk about them that I realized, oh, this must be unusual, you know. And I was part of a church plant for a long time where we were really honest and pretty um, disarmed as a people. Mm -hmm. So we talked about those things, but I just kind of forgot that churches weren't doing that. So all that to say, I decided to, to write, to release this song, to write this song that really spoke as clearly as I could get about it. So if there's anyone out there who was looking for a sense of, I'm not alone in this. I'm not the only person who feels crazy. I'm not the only person who, you know, maybe maybe some people are taking medication for their 
psychological and emotional issues and feeling ashamed about it and thinking Christians don't shouldn't be taking medication or maybe they go to a counselor and didn't you know felt ashamed about that and, and I wanted to get get this out and say no no I this is this isn't mean that you're that you're no good this mm-hmm. is just part of being a broken human who's trying to find Jesus and trying to find life and trying to get it right and so essentially the song is sort of an exploration of um, emotional health sort of intersecting with Psalm 23 okay so there's a much longer story I could tell but essentially it's just me the song uses the words depression anxiety medication counseling all those words which actually sounds kind of weird to say that but you'd have to hear the song to 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 get it but I I decided to be extremely overt and the response has just been really really great Um, and, and I've also been really interested throughout my journey the last seven years uh, in this idea that Jesus is, um, I don't know, kind of this this dangerous uh, warrior. Um, you know, I, I like to describe it as, um, you know, you've seen this scene in, in a TV show or movie where the frail little kid is in the playground at school and bullies are all coming around him and he maybe closes his eyes and raises his little tiny fists and he's waiting for the blows to land mm-hmm. and he suddenly hears the shuffling of feet, opens his eyes to see all the bullies have left, thinks, what did I do? And turns around and behind him is the really big kid in school <laughs> who has scared off all the bullies. That's a view of Jesus that's new for me and has really shaped a lot of what I write. And so the song has kind of got all that in there, you know. Because mm-hmm. um, you also have this, Psalm 23 is this shepherd mm-hmm. who says he it says he makes me lie down yeah, when you sent the letter about that that's the first time i ever that really struck me that way well, it's he strange makes because, me right lie down. it's strange because there are certain verses in the bible that i will see them and, and i'll think i've been in, an, in another translation this makes more sense and i'll look around and it still is the same you know and one one of those is uh when lazarus is really sick you know and is dying they send word for jesus and it says and they, Lazarus was really sick, and so he waited. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say, but he waited. It says, so he, which is an interesting idea, and that's a whole other topic. But, but this was like that. You know, he makes me lie down is the way I saw that mm-hmm. verse everywhere I looked. Mm-hmm. It didn't ever, ever not say something like, he is prompting, forcing, making me lie, lie down. And I just thought, why? Well, I must not want to. Mm-hmm. And it must be some sort of like forceful, you need this. Mm-hmm. And I just started seeing that whole psalm from that lens, that this shepherd was saying to me, I'm going to make you lie down because if I don't make you, you're not going to. And I'm going to walk you beside some still streams and I'm going to say, look, that's peace. I can give you that if you'll, if you'll let me give you that. I, I made that. I can make peace just like that stream. And he goes with you through the valley of the shadow of death and you're only not afraid you're only comforted because he has this rod that probably is the same rod he used to make you lie down maybe <laughs> it's a little bit more gentle than he's using it now but you know how it feels and you know if he really laid into somebody with it it would it would deter them from harming you and then he and then he makes a meal for you in front of your enemies and it just you know it's all really beautiful and and so i just saw that as a really awesome and wonderful 
you know thing and it changed the way that I that I viewed that song yeah. so well it's a great song and, it, and I, I told you and, and a spoiler alert if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't listened to the song you may want to pause the podcast right here and go listen to the song uh, if you're not going to do that just yet I'm going to go ahead there's a line there's it's a hook. Funny. yeah you yeah. can tell there is a hook line in the song the first time I heard it it just blew me away right uh, the song is called things that I'm afraid of and the hook line is the things that I'm afraid of are afraid of you mm. and I was like yeah. wow uh, when did that thought did that enter in as you're writing the song did that come to you before you ever put pen on paper no that was the beginning I mean I was thinking about fear and I this is sort of you know, as a songwriter it's kind of my job to I call it someone I heard say one time is calling it catching fireflies you know the fireflies are out and their little rear ends will light up you know and if you're not ready with a jar you're just going to see it light up and it's going to the light's going to dim and you're going to not get it but if you got a jar out then you can catch them and I try to have a mental jar out for whatever the, wherever the ideas come and I just was thinking a lot about fear because of this stuff we're, that we're talking about and I realized that I needed you know to to find some way to speak about fear you know that was compelling and exciting and interesting and I don't know at some point I just thought about how the forces that are against me are afraid of the Lord you know that he's 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 over them and so I don't know I just kind of I was probably driving usually those kind of things happen when I'm driving so um, I think I was driving somewhere and I just ended up picking up my phone and talking into my phone and saying this sounds like a good idea. That Things I'm afraid of are afraid of you. So, which of your other songs have been especially meaningful to you? Um, I mean, I've been you know writing for a long, long time, and so things like Clear the Stage, which you mentioned, obviously have a real significance. Almost these days, it's probably less of an emotional attachment and more that I just feel really grateful that mm-hmm. it's been heard by so many people. Um, but know that the the sort of recent journey of my faith would probably have a four or five song highlight reel, and that's there's a song from two albums ago called "Love Is a Hammer" that I wrote about shame. It was kind of my first time to write about depression, and I don't know that I was clear that it was about depression, but I I knew that it was. Mm-hmm. And because the big thing for me with with depression was I was ashamed of it. I was ashamed that I couldn't get better. I was I was tired of. My belief was that everyone, everyone was aware that I was depressed mm-hmm. and impatient with me for not being better. You know, and they may have been. I don't think they were, but that's how you feel whenever you're. At least that's how, that, that's how I felt. And then there's a song called "More Now" that I wrote with a friend of mine, Casey Darnell. That's really the first song that I wrote about my dad's death, mm-hmm. um, and it was just kind of saying, you know, you start out with childlike faith, and then you get old and cynical, and then something bad happens, and you really don't have as much faith as you had and it takes that journey it takes that journey of kind of your faith being pushed mm-hmm. you know it's almost like um, things that have to fight to survive mm-hmm. sort of are stronger you know and I feel like hope that it has to fight to survive is stronger in faith too so that was a song that kind of was about you know faith kind of making it through some difficult times and then there's a song called Good Company from my recent album that's, that's all about really good song. thank you it's all about grief and anger and stress and how the Lord I kind of find examples of the Lord Jesus you know on earth experiencing these extreme kinds of uh, moments of emotion and how that made me feel less crazy that I could point to Hey, in the garden, it seems like Jesus was really stressed out. And hey, in the temple, it seems like Jesus was really angry. And 
you know, uh, when Lazarus died, Jesus actually cried. You know, why would he cry? That's crazy. He he was going to bring him back in just a few minutes. Why did he cry? You know, and just this idea that that Jesus is in touch with our emotions and and even understands things as simple as. Yeah, it's going to get better, but it's still hard now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only reason why you can... It's the only justification for his tear, for him crying at Lazarus' mm-hmm. grave, right? I mean, why cry when a guy is going to come back? Yeah. Unless you just realize, well, that's still terrible, even when even when it's not the end. It's still terrible, yeah. you know? And I just think that's awesome. Like, that yeah. that, that was kind of... And, and that all culminated in this song of just kind of, like, discovering these new places um, where Jesus, as a shepherd and just as a... As a um, grief sharer you know that he that he gets us and is and he helps us and he is near to us yeah so yeah there's probably more but those are my favorites i'm wondering this because i have i've, I've preached a long time and after i went through that season felt the lord lead me back to a sermon i preached years ago I yeah. pick up the sermon and i begin to read it mm-hmm. and it's like wow what i'm reading here is ministering to me i'm the one that god spoke to, to write it, right. and yet now it's ministering to me in a right. way that it probably didn't back when I originally preached it. Do you have a song like that? Right. Are any of your songs that have done that? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think that as a writer, especially a person who's really into lyrics, I tend to write something clever or interesting or smart. Um, I don't always know that I'm in touch with it. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's... And you can call this you know me using my brain before I use my heart you can call it the Lord just being kind of uh, kind of foreshadowing his teaching to me by telling me telling me something in advance that I'll need to know later I don't know but I've had several times love, love is a hammer was like that I mean I I wrote the the second verse of that song is all about Nick uh, sorry not Nick, uh, Zacchaeus mm-hmm. and the woman in Mark um, I think it's Mark 5 or Mark 6, the woman who bleeds and touches Jesus' clothes to get healed. Mm -hmm. And I wrote these lyrics about those two people before I ever realized I was writing about depression or shame. I just liked those two stories as examples of people who kind of wanted to interact with Jesus in a superficial way, maybe. Like, they wanted to be healed, but they didn't want to deal with him. Right. And I thought that was interesting. And then it was like I had a moment where I realized, oh, this this is about me and about my shame. And that's when I wrote it, but then even after that, I would go back to it and say, oh, I never even, you know, thought about this for me at this level. I just thought this was a cool lyric or whatever. Because that, that happens. You get, you know, you, I'm sure you do this in the sermon. You come upon an interesting point or you come upon an interesting joke or whatever, and it's not really some heart moment for you. It's a, it's it's the trade. It's the craft. It's the skill, right? Mm-hmm. And I, and and you know, um, so I have. So love is a hammer was like that. Um, gosh, I've written some. Well, even clear the stage. I go back and occasionally think. I don't remember feeling that, but I feel it now. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't yeah. remember. I don't remember that moment. I, mean, I think. I don't know if sermons are like this, but I, I often can't tell you when something came to me. You know, it's like it's just sort of done. You know, like. Um, like you said, you asked about things I'm afraid of or are afraid of you. I don't remember that moment I just remember that I was that it happens a lot that I'll say something into my phone that sounds interesting um, but that is true for me like a lot a lot of times I will write something that ends up feeling profound later 
but it wasn't like I was being especially profound when I wrote it. I just was kind of thinking, oh, that's interesting, or that's that sounds cool, or that. I'm really, I, I really love it when words can kind of have like a symmetry. So things I'm afraid of are afraid of you. That I probably honestly just thought that was interesting wordplay. Yes. But I, but then I've realized as I've dealt with more and more fear and met more people who deal with fear that that's a really comforting idea. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's and it's a nice way. Um, it's a nice way to frame it because it, it it gives a sense of vulnerability and brokenness, and which we all feel. Yeah. You know, uh, I, 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 I tend to like be, I'm t- I tend to tend, I'm drawn to using these kind of negative, broken phrasings and wordings when I can. In other words, the song could be "Jesus is braver than me," mm-hmm. but that doesn't grab me, right? Right. Um, or when I feel afraid, God is brave, or something. That that's interesting. But the idea to use afraid to speak a positive word is really exciting to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? That that I feel like people who are broken are drawn to broken words. Yeah. So Are you familiar at all with the writings of Ann Voskamp? Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. She has that tendency right. to right. Definitely. use that symmetry yeah. when she writes. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. She she's she's very, very good. Is the was there a song that when you wrote it it was the the actual writing of it became worship for you. Absolutely. Um, uh, Hallelujah for the Cross is a song that I wrote with my friend Todd Wright. And, you know, we started that song. I think it was probably the first worship song I wrote after my dad died. And I can't remember if we started it just after or just before he died. I think just, just after. And we were just writing a hymn. Just mm-hmm. having, he and I both love hymns and kind of find it easy to go to that hymn place of, of creating and we both are real familiar with hymns as part of our history part of our you know spiritual D- DNA so we were just writing a hymn and never could land on a chorus really and so we were finding these really cool wordings he actually wrote a lot of the verses to, to that song I think I think we wrote the first verse together and then I we kind of took a break and he wrote like a bunch of verses and sent them to me and we ended up picking and choosing and editing kind of putting a Frankenstein version together from all the stuff that he had written but we sat on we sat on that on that song without a chorus or with other choruses for a long time and none of them felt as good as the verses mm-hmm. and I literally just one day just said I think I was thinking really deeply about my dad and grieving that and I just sat at the piano and started playing all the verses that he had written and just waiting for something to come out that felt worshipful mm-hmm. and even funny I'd even been committed to not using the word hallelujah in the chorus because it was so much in the verses that I didn't want to use it in the chorus it felt like it was phoned in and I just suddenly started singing hallelujah you know, and I worshipped my tail off when I when I did that. There's also a song on that same same album called "When My Soul." It's a very similar situation. I just sat at the piano until the chorus came, and uh, you know, just kept waiting to waiting to worship, sort yeah. of. You know, so it's it's been that way more with worship m- music, but um, but I, I always when I'm when I'm writing by myself. Which isn't always better, but I, when I write by myself. I always tend to write really from the gut, and so even though it's lyrically, you know, uh, it might be intellectual lyrically, it always has a gut kind of a 
I'm just singing the thing that's coming out of my soul, you know. And so the, I, I would like to say that they're all worshipful whenever I do it like that. Um, good company was certainly like that. Very real, very yeah. authentic. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I said this in the introduction. I see you as a prophetic songwriter. Yeah. Um, how does that mantle of being a prophet and in that you know what a prophet is? I do. You know, it's not the whole idea of foretelling the future. Sure, sure. No, it's, it's it's like the Old Testament prophets. Right. Um, but how does that mantle and that calling? How is that a challenge to your soul? And how do you deal with that challenge? Because at times that mantle can seem heavy. Yeah, I think I really liked that that idea when I was younger. And let me just say that that's one of those labels that it's okay for you to say, uh-huh. but I don't quite know how to say it over me. I and I honestly don't, I don't disagree with you. I just don't, you know, I'm not going to like jump on and go, yes, I agree. I'm a prophet. I think I have yeah. a prophetic bent to what I do. So I understand why you say that. And I've heard it before. It's just not something that I know what to do with, you know. But in, anyway, I'm trying to speak humbly, but also say... I understand why why you're saying that. I um, I loved it when I was younger because I yeah. thought it was an excuse to be bold mm-hmm. and to say hard things, and I liked saying hard things. I recently don't really enjoy it as much, yeah. and it's kind of become a thing where before it was a hey church, get it together, mm-hmm. prophetic voice, and now it feels more like a very vulnerable, very, um, you know, kind of putting my own brokenness up front. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been the prophetic voice more than anything else. I mean, now. And I occasionally get get get, get ideas for really, really, really uh, provocative, poke-the-bear kind of mm-hmm. songs. And I really struggle, honestly. Like, I have something I'm working on now for this new album that feels very off-putting. Mm-hmm. It feels very offensive, and, and I... And I, there's no denying it's a kind of a cool idea, mm-hmm. but it, I'm so nervous. I don't know that I'm even going to put it out because I can't tell if it's just too, if it just sounds too mean or too, I just don't know, you know. So all that to say, I, I want to be obedient to what the Lord would call me to say, but I also don't want to unnecessarily wound pe- people, and I don't want to enjoy it, and I don't want to be like a jerk for God. That's not, doesn't yeah. feel right. And I think in my younger days I would have, thought well sorry that's just who I, who I am excuse me and sorry that's just who I am and and now I don't I don't really want to be that way I, mean, I can identify with what you said in right. regard to being a prophet and I wrote one evening I tweeted a prophet is God's pinata yeah. you get struck with sticks and expect candy to fall out and, 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 and that, that was kind of a hard thing to say but I I feel that I feel that kind of tension sometimes between I realize that everything that God guides me to say right hits me first right full force hits me first and and I have become a little more cautious right a little more subdued sometimes to the point that I've wondered if I have become too quiet at times right and that seems like that's the pendulum you know is that at first I think when I like I used to joke that when I was younger I thought everyone was going to go to heaven and then I got a little older and I thought no one was going to heaven and now I don't know you know yeah. but I think that's kind of the kind of kind of the swing is that we tend to be um 
excited about this authority to speak, but then we realize maybe, hey, I, I said some foolish things there, or I wounded some people unnecessarily, or, you know, you go back and listen to things you said, and they don't come off as cool as you thought that they that, that they did at the time. And I, that really, that slowed me down. I think being a dad, you know, has changed me a, a good bit with that, because I don't really, I don't ever want to feel like I'm some kind of mean overseer. I want to feel like a gentle, I, I, I want to seem like a gentle, kind, loving, gracious person. And prophets have a hard time with that, yeah. you know, and... I just don't. I don't. I just don't run to it the way that I used to. And I think the other problem is that a lot of times, you, you said a minute ago, it it hits you first. And I think that's the way it's supposed to be. But occasionally, as a prophet, you, you get a sense of something that, um, that isn't really a problem for you, and is for the culture. Mm-hmm. And so then it's easy to be kind of snobby about it because it's like, well, I don't struggle with that. So now I can really speak with a lot of a lot of authority about it and that's where I think I struggle is that I don't I don't want to take something that's not hard for me and find people who who are struggling with it and pick on them you know but that's if you're the kind of person who's prone to a prophetic way of viewing the world you're just going to see the broken stuff quicker and I I just don't want to be that person who's picking out things that I haven't journeyed you know you know, you you have things in your life because of your journey that are hard for you. Yeah. And my journey's different. I'm not sure I have a right to... I mean, I have a right to call out sin, but I just mean I'm, I'm not sure I, I feel confident, you know, uh, correcting you in an area that's never been a struggle for me. Yeah. Right? And that's that, I think that's one of the bigger things that I'm learning, you know. Yeah, I picture all the prophets, and I'm sure they didn't do it all the time, but I picture them speaking these strong words from the heart of God, I, I picture them doing it with a tender heart, even though the truth is there, I, I see it spoken clearly in love, even right. some of the harshest things that they were instructed to say from right. God. Right, and thinking, I always wonder, how did it feel to say that and have everyone hate you? Mm-hmm. You know, because I still, you know, you can we can say things about having a prophetic, you know, ministry or having a prophetic voice, but I've never really been deeply persecuted for saying hard things. I've mostly been applauded, or I was criticized behind my back and never knew it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, and so it's not like I've been some like street corner, you know, person who's sacrificing life and limb to say something hard. I, you know, that's the that's the weird little little uh, secret no one wants to say is that being vulnerable is, is difficult but you usually get applauded for it mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah. so so uh, there's always somebody out there who's going to clap for you for saying something difficult or something vulnerable and I don't know I don't feel particularly brave for doing it it's yeah. just kind of what makes the most sense to me to say you're very honest and uh, authentic in your songs and as you shared about the latest song, Things That I'm Afraid Of, have you ever questioned the goodness of God? And even before you, I can tell you I have. Yes, absolutely. Uh, no, I I think I still struggle to understand, like, that God loves me. You know what I mean? Like, I know that He does on paper, mm-hmm. and I believe it, but I, I do, <clears throat> I occasionally think about how, you know, how I feel about my children, and how no matter what they do, 
I can be upset with them, but I never, I never love them less. Mm-hmm. And how I can be like, you know, there can be mo- like moments, literal moments between me being super angry with them and having a lot of fun with them. Because mm-hmm. I can just get over it really fast because I love them so, so much that I like them too, right? And I think I struggle with feeling that way about the Lord toward me um, just because He's invisible and I can't go talk to Him. And you know what I mean? It's right. just, it's different than a person looking you in the face and saying, I really like you, I really love you, I'm really for you. So, yeah, I think I do. I mean, it's one of those things where <clears throat> I remember there was something, I, I want to credit this to Donald M- Miller. I think it was in Blue Light Jazz. He said something like, someday maybe a scientist is going to have proof that God isn't real, but it's too late for me. Mm-hmm. I'm already in. It won't matter what the evidence says. And I thought that was so interesting, and that's kind of how I am. I don't know that I'm day-to-day super emotionally connected to the goodness of God but I'm convinced of it right I'm not going to quit on it like it feels like the you know I kind of have a Peter to whom shall I go way about me you know I'm not sure that I can convince you or even be convinced that that God is always good but I don't but but I believe it does that make any sense yeah, like sense. Yes. I can get disconnected from it in the day-to-day and I can feel like he doesn't love me but I'm not quitting, right? Because it's I don't I don't know what else to do that would be even close to as, as satisfying. I don't know a story that's better than the story of Jesus. You know, it's just too good a story. There's not one. It's just so good. Yeah. You know. So yeah, yeah, I definitely question it sometimes. And it blows me away every after all these years of reading it, the things he did, the things he said. I'm still level constantly. Yeah. But who hasn't prayed? and not gotten what they asked for and thought that prayer made lots of sense and that prayer would have made the world better why didn't I get it yeah. everyone's thought that and so I think on, the, on those in those moments I, I I have questions about the goodness of the goodness of God but then I just kind of think yeah but this guy hung on a cross and was mocked and beaten and made a fool of and treated like a criminal for me so if I'm looking for fair I'm not going to get fair, yeah. and I'm glad because that wasn't fair. Yeah. What he did for me wasn't fair. You know, it was way better than fair. And so, if he wants to uh, run the world the way he wants to run it, I'm not always going to like it necessarily. And I even think that if we don't have anything about God that we sort of disagree with or feel mm-hmm. weird about, we're not really looking deep enough. No, we're not. You know what I mean? Like no, I, not. I just wonder. That's one of my biggest struggles with people. It's people who are always convinced. God's on their side in every opinion and I'm just like look there are things in the Bible that I can't shake that I don't love but I I gotta deal with them and I'm not quitting on it because I don't like one little part of the Bible or something but but I just you know I think we all question and I'm I'm just not gonna quit on it I'm not gonna give up just because I'm not sure yeah I think what you just said there if that's our view of God you know then our God is in a box, and that box may be a Happy Meal box. I mean, that's yes. pretty pretty narrow. Uh, exactly. Have you seen that that new Burger King thing? It's kind of flopped, but they they've done this thing where it's called the Not So Happy Meals, and it's like a mocking. That, no. Go look it up. It's really interesting. <laughs> but they basically have these like well, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so they're doing it I think for for May. Okay. But it's these meals that are for grown-ups. Uh-huh. They come in a box and the box has like emotions on the side that are all negative emotions like depression or fear or anger or whatever. And they're called the not so happy meals. And they and apparently they rolled it out and it, it was a big flop and only like five Burger Kings in the world are doing it or something. Wow. But but I think it's I think it's hilarious. That sounds funny. But I'm but I I'm a fan, you know, like this idea that 
that somebody actually said, life isn't a happy meal, yeah. you know. It's I got a better idea for them, though. Go listen to your new song. Things that Thank you. I would, I would love that. I'm afraid of. I have one final question yes, for you. Yes, what is it? We've been eating good chicken, good place, nice, mm -hmm. good pick. And uh, what feeds your soul? Oh, man. Wow. Um, music. I do like to listen, listen to, to music, worship, um, uh, rest. I really, really like rest. And when I mean rest, I mean I like just to like take it easy with my wife, um, lay on the couch, sit in a hammock, sit on the porch, read a book. Um, when I'm in a good place, exercise does. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm in a season of life where I'm not exercising as much as I would like. You know, four, four young children and that sort of thing. Um, and then I just think like good conversation like, like this. Um, I'm kind of an introvert, but I mean the idea that people would sit down together and go past the surface in their conversation, I usually leave pretty pretty alive when I have those kinds of times. And I have a really, really great wife who, who, <clears throat> who loves doing that. She loves talking and, <clears throat> and being deep. And that, that helps me just to talk about life the way it is. And, um, but yeah, I, I think true community moments like that are really, really, really good for me and good for my soul. How about you? Music. Music finds me. I don't seem to find it. Right. Um, being out in nature. Yeah. Getting a chance to, uh, to just be outside mm -hmm. uh, feeds me. And quiet. A quiet time, solitude yeah. uh, with the Lord, uh, just spending a length of time where I'm not thinking about when it's got to wrap up. Right. Just, and I, I won't say unlimited, but it's it's nothing unusual for me to spend an hour and a half to two hours at my table first thing in the morning. That sets the tone for the rest of the day. That's awesome. Uh, I need to be doing that more. <clears throat> Those, those type things, and so many other things. I just see God's goodness all the time in a, a multitude of ways. That's part of the inspiration, the idea behind Redemption's Table, yeah. helping people see that, yeah, there's a lot of negative out there. Right. There's a lot of things that we could have in our Burger King not-so-happy box. Right. But uh, there are a lot of good things. And uh, even when I challenge the goodness of God, Ultimately, I know, I understand fully, God right. is good. I don't understand Him, but He's good. So. I should say that one answer to that question I didn't give is that I really like creating, mm -hmm. the idea of making things. So I tend, to, I tend to be drawn to, when I'm not resting, I tend to like, just to know that I made something, you know? And I really, I really enjoy that, that part of my life now that I'm always writing or, or building or doing something like that. I really like that. And I feel like... Um, it helps us know God better to make things, you know, because that's what He does. Yes, He does. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time. Oh, of course. Join Thanks, us for Thanks for having me. For those of you who are listening, thank you for tuning in, and we will see you back here next Monday morning. Please share this podcast with as many friends. Please tell them about things that I'm afraid of. I'm Ross King. I'll be posting something there on Redemption's Table as well about it, so you can find it. If you haven't listened to it already, I encourage you to do so. And we will see you next Monday morning. Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Bye. Love it. Love it.